You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. back everyone as we dive in fin too deep as always we're your hosts i'm reason joined by neil driscoll neil uh it finally happened the longest tenured dolphin is out the door and now the current longest tenured dolphin has been extended and has a chance to retire a dolphin um you know the moves keep happening and the noise and news keeps rumbling for the Miami Dolphins, even after the major acquisitions of Tyreek Hill and uh, Taron Armstead, with the draft only a few weeks away, on top of all of that, uh, how you feeling, Neil? Um, and you know, how you feeling as a Dolphin fan having to part with a player who's worn the colors for so long? Yeah, I mean, let's start with Xavier Howard, right? Like, it, like they took care of them. They they the Miami Dolphins came through on what they said last year, and that that holds a lot of weight in, in NFL circles, right? Like they took care of X a few years back. Um, then the market got crazy, and they took care of him again. And and it looks like he will be here for for the long term, which is great, right? I mean, Xavier Howard for my money, if he's not the best corner, he's definitely in the top three. Uh, the reason I elevate him to number one is because I think that he is one of the game's best playmakers on the defense side of the ball I, i've called him the best um ball hawk in football since ed reed and I, I i love it x so you know it's one of those things that you know i i think keeping your best player on the defensive side of the ball is paramount and i mean you know you set a good precedent with all precedents with all your all your players that you know you will earn your money here you'll get paid if you earn it and you know i think we'll won't we won't have any of those off-season rumors for a while and then you know Devontae Parker, right? The 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 kind of roller coaster ride his career was in Miami. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you know all the things he did here, but I don't think he ever lived up to the potential we all thought when we took him with the twelfth pick in the draft. Um, it, it's ironic to me that <laughs> he goes to New England and it's like they got Randy Moss, right? Like I, I like it, it's just crazy to me that a guy that was our number four wide receiver who has underachieved for years goes to new England and they're literally acting like they just made the, the move of the off season. Uh, they're going to learn that pretty, pretty uh, quickly that that won't happen. And I know there's a lot of fear out there like, Oh, Parker's going to show up and play the dolphins. Well, the guy we paid uh, the most money in cornerback history, Xavier Howard. Uh, I have a lot of faith that he'd be able to shut down Devonte Parker if he's even on the field, but you know, uh, it has not been a quiet week as usual with the Miami dolphins, but very happy X is here. You know, Sayonara, Devontae Parker. Thank you for your time, and uh, we look forward to beating you twice next year. Um. So the let's get into the uh, details of everything with Xavier Howard. Um. He still had three years, thirty nine million remaining. 
Um, and it has now been restructured into a five-year detail with fifty-one five-year deal with about fifty-one point six nine one million dollars added. So in terms, it turns into a five-year ninety million dollar deal. Now I know it doesn't work out like this, but essentially it's an eighteen million dollar a year average, even though the back years are obviously twenty-five million plus. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the Patriots deal. Um. Devontae Parker was shipped off to the New England Patriots um, for with a along with a 2022 fifth round pick for a 2023 third round pick. Um, you know, I'm not really worried about Devontae Parker getting moved in the division. I mean, it tells you what they think of him. I mean, I keep telling people they seem to forget a couple years ago when you know the coaching staff thought DVP was losing confidence. Because X was locking him down in training camp. I got no no worries about if X can handle Devontae Parker. You know, I know we play the Patriots twice a year, but are we even going to see him one, one out of those two times a year? Uh, who knows? His body doesn't really necessarily hold up all the time. Um, I know he chose the Patriots. I mean, good for you. I know the Packers were interested. If you chose the Patriots, and I know the Cowboys were, if you chose the Patriots over the Packers and the Cowboys right now, it shows me you're as smart as your body is good at holding up for an NFL season. Agreed. Um, you know what I mean? So, Agreed. No, I, so, I, that would whatever. be the least choice of the three. The, the, the exactly, bro. You know what choice. I mean? What are we on? And, you know, I, I've said this publicly, privately, you know, I loved Rashad Jones. I was so sad that his body broke down. He wasn't able to fin uh, finish his career as a Dolphin, retire as a Dolphin. I want X to retire a Dolphin. But on top of that, I want to win a Super Bowl for X because I think at the trajectory he's playing at, he can go down as one of the greatest man coverage cornerbacks of all time. And if he gets a Super Bowl under his belt, I think it could lead to a yellow jacket and a bust in Canton. If he plays the next three years like he's played the last two years, I mean, a Hall of Fame. I want there to be no doubt, though. I yeah, want. The, I, I hear you. You know, with with I don't want Zach Thomas all over again. I want there to be no doubt. Yeah, no, I hear you. But uh, I, I, yeah, I'm with you too. I, I'm happy to see him. And you know what? We need that veteran leadership. And and the, the young guys on the team gravitate to X. He, he's a leader here, right? Like, you know, he he's been supportive of some of these young guys that get a lot of crap out there. And you know, you get him out there, you pay him. Like he's the kind of guy that gets the contract. He ain't going to go and stop working. Uh, we, you know, we, we took care of him a little bit last season. He played great this year, right? Like he, he is the guy you want to build this defense around, but you're right. Like on Devonte Parker, like if I was Devonte Parker, I had a chance to have Aaron Rodgers throw me the ball. And I would have been just like calling my account up being like, yep. In about a year or two's time, I'm going to have a lot more money coming into my bank. Right? Like what a, what a horrible choice. I mean, uh, I, like, oh, man, but the, the third round pick, right? Reason like that's awesome. Like the fifth round pick that we give up, I don't really give a shit. Like if you find a roster guy in the fifth round, you're lucky. If you get the third round pick, I mean, you can find a starter. And next year's draft is going to be deeper than this year's draft. And I love what they have in terms of ammo, because I think that the Dolphins become. If we all, you know, what happens with Tua, which we all think this year that he's going to take that step and they have that draft capital next year. I think they become the one of the most dangerous teams in football because they can go out there with not a lot of needs. Like, right, we would say their needs are probably center because Dieter's going to be a free agent. Right tackle if Austin Jackson doesn't pan out or, or Eichenberg, right? Uh, linebacker moves to the top of the list. And then I think we need edge depth. 
and probably some cornerback depth in the youth, right? Like we won't have a lot of needs. Like linebacker is the only need that like jumps and screams that like you have to do this now, right? So I, I just think that, man, they could really become the most dangerous team in football. And I love having two ones, a two and two threes. I don't know if you've dug in at all to like just a big board of the 2023 draft, but like, man, it is awesome. And I, I, I would be. Well, I just like the foresight, you know, like <clears throat> you see that, okay, we're not going to have a ton of cap next year, but we got a ton of picks next year for an influx of talent and allowing us to move around the draft where the talent we do influx, especially in the first three rounds can be high quality. Cause what do we have five or six picks in the first three rounds? Yeah. And like, so like, so we have running backs, right? Like we have on our roster right now. Right. So Chase Edmonds, I know he's under contract for two years. It's really a one-year deal. Motert's on a one-year deal. Say we use one of our first-round picks next year on B. John Robinson from Texas, right? Like, like that'd be freaking awesome to get a guy like that in. Um, you know, I like say by chance that 40 the 49ers flop and like we get the same luck we had with the Texans pick and we steal a high draft pick, and Will Anderson from Alabama falls into your lap, right? Like I mean, there's just so much upside and talent in this draft class next year. I mean, I don't want to skip the 22 draft class, but like what great forward, like, you know, forward thinking by Chris Greer. And and then you have to respect that he named a price and he didn't stop until he got it right. Like, uh, like, uh, like we could have thrown Devonte away for a fifth round pick. You know, we could have done something that was like knee jerk and, and just tried to, you know, get him off the roster and save the three point whatever million dollars in cap space. But to get a quality draft pick next year and just to load yourself up with ammo, like after the offseason we just had, man, that's like, you know, because I, 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 I think you and I both agree we're going to take a big step forward this year, right? Like that's the type of draft capital that gets a team that's very good and makes them great, you know? So, I'm all for that trade, man. Great job for Chris Greer. I, I, I Chris Greer's done marvelous this offseason. He really has. Yeah. And, you know, I know uh, I know a lot of people were, you know, hey, I'm still waiting for him to be aggressive right now, bro. You know, remember all those people out there saying, where's the aggressiveness? I want to be aggressive, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, he's delivered. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Um, and... You know, I'll go back to it. The message it sends about keeping your defense intact and taking care of Ogba and X and saying, even if you're not technically my guy that I drafted or whatever as a coach, I'll make sure you're taken care of. And the message it sends and resonates is awesome. And I really wanted to talk about the message and the energy and everything uh, resonating uh, right now through um, the building. Xavier Howard said something interesting. He said, you know, he was asked, um, with new coach, with the new coach, what are your impressions of Mike McDaniel? Why do you think this new coaching staff can be different? And he said, when I got in the building today, I felt like everything has been different since I got here. The energy, everybody is happy. And I feel like things could be special here with Mike McDaniel bringing that energy. Hopefully he'll get the offense up to par and the standard that we expect from both sides of the ball and get the job done here. But you see, he kind of stressed about, you know, energy and happiness and et cetera, et cetera. Well, when Ogba um, was interviewed, um, he was actually asked about, um, you know, um, 
X's comments and what X had to say um, because, um, you know, he had, he had actually talked about the energy at one point in, you know, in, in his whole thing. But anyways, he was asked specifically um, about what X said about, you know, there's new energy here. It just feels different. And which is what I've been saying since we went out and made the move um, for Mike McDaniel, but he was asked, you know, Xavier Howard talked about how the energy in the building feels a little different with everyone being back and a new head coach. How would you describe the vibe and energy? And this is what Ogba said. Now we know Xavier Howard and Flores had a little bit of a rift, Neil. We never yep. knew anything about obviously Ogba and Flores, right? And he said it's just different. You can tell. You guys don't really walk in the locker room, but it's just different. A lot of guys are happy to be back. Everybody is just happy to see each other again. It's been only like two months, but it felt like forever. We're just glad to be working again. You know, and he goes on later um, in, you know, because he was asked, you know, you talked about there being energy in the locker room. Does that come from the guys who have been added? The coaching staff, what makes it so electric? He said, I would say both. You know, um, you know, he just said Coach Mike McDaniel brings a different type of energy into the program. So we're excited about that too. Um, you know, and he was asked, you said a different type of energy. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? How is it different? He said, I would say it's more fun. Honestly, everybody's just excited to be back. We haven't really got out there like that, except the workouts and stuff. Everybody's really excited. The whole locker room really. So you hear happy, excited, energy. You know, you hear all these words getting thrown around. Fun, you know, and, and you see people seem looser in interviews right now. You know, what does this kind of say about how the, the 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 dark cloud that was really holding over that hanging over? Because I know going back to last offseason, I had heard things about Brian Flores, you know, all the stuff came out. And, you know, what are your overall thoughts that even players? Because another thing, Lynn Bowden tweeted out tonight, Neil. I don't know if you saw it. He said, can't let nobody ego take my happiness again i'm working and it's a picture of him in the in the dolphins new facility at the in the uh indoor complex at, at baptist health complex it's in the indoor facility and he said that and we know neil he was basically benched last year by flores for not Thank only that know. raiders article but also for working out perform and you see all these players talking about they're happy again what does this say you know, about, I've told people, hey, you can, uh, you know, I believe a lot of the things Brian Flores alleged, but I also believe Brian Flores is a great A asshole. And, you know, you, you hear all these players throwing this shade, Neil, and we've heard Mike McDaniel mention multiple times, Neil, through his little media tours about player relationships, building a culture, you know, you got to get along with people, you know, taking shade at Flores in that situation as well. What the players are kind of low key subliminally telling us, Neil, thing all you know, even though we won some games, things all weren't hunky dory and you know, we weren't necessarily happy, even though things worked to an extent, doesn't mean we were happy with who we were playing for. Right now, I, I think that it, it not only is it the culture has improved, but there's a swagger and a buzz to the team that we haven't really seen in a little bit, right? Like, I, uh, you know, obviously they've made some really big moves, but. I, I, like it's been a long time where you've heard like the general fans be like, 
holy shit, the Dolphins are here. You know what I mean? Like, I, and when you go out and get a player like Tyreek Hill, and he wants to come there, right? He doesn't want to go to the Jets. He doesn't care about anything else. He wants to be a Dolphin. Taron Armstead gets a deal well below what the rumored market value was to come here. A true leader, uh, you know, one of the better leaders in football. You get guys like Connor Williams, and I, I think what was really cool is the continuity that they saw on defense. It really shows that the problem was with Brian Flores and the coaching staff that he had assembled, and he took the joy out of football for a lot of these young men, and he made it like a military camp style. And at the end of the day, while he can call a great defense, he has not earned the Bill Belichick stripes. And I think he wants to bestow them on himself. Like he's he's deserving of that. Mm. But you got to learn a way to relate to young people in football. The game has changed, right? Like when you're a coach of a football team, most, you know, 60 to 70% of the people you coach make more money than you. They make life-changing guaranteed money. Like you got to talk to them. They're men. You got to teach them discipline without, you know, treating them like you're a parent and you're grounding them. You, you got to find the common ground. I think Mike McDaniel's vibe is what is going to make this culture fun. I think his youth is cool, but he's a good leader. But he's going to let these men be men within the parameters that he sets. And I truly believe that this, what we're seeing is the start of something that we've lacked a long time. And, you know, I'm not going to act like I haven't been excited about other coaching hire, hirings that we've made over the years. But this one early feels a lot different because we're not focusing on just the draft, right, to get players in here. We've brought veteran players that are still young and in the prime of their career that are among the best in their position to a talented team that's won 19 games over the last two years. So I think the culture is different. The vibe's different. There's a swagger. And I think it's all really, really positive and exciting. And, you know, I'm just frustrated that September is so far away at this point. Yeah. It feels like forever. We got to wait. Um, <clears throat> some news came down today uh, in regards you know, there was an amendment to the complaint of Brian Flores against the Dolphins, and he now claims he wrote a memo in 2019 um, memorializing Mr. Ross's desire to have Miami lose games per his attorneys. And basically what it said was, the little excerpt said, given these reactions and alarming demands to lose games, Mr. Flores memorialized Mr. Ross's desire to have Miami lose games. In the December 4th, 2019 memorandum that was provided to General Manager Chris Greer, CEO Tom Garfinkel and Senior Vice President of Football and Business Administration Brandon Shore. In this letter, Mr. Flores detailed the toxicity that existed within the organization and explained the unreasonable position he was being placed in by team ownership and upper management. Um, now, there's also another amendment that <clears throat> we're holding back uh, eight figures from him, and we're actually demanding that he pays us uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, there's another amendment in there. Um, but what are your overall thoughts on this memo, especially if there's a digital timestamp? Like, you know, do you think this could be a, a, an issue where we lose picks or do you think this could be an issue where they try and remove Ross? And I ask you this because, you know, there's been videos of, you know, players beating their wives or significant others. I think it's six or eight games, but Calvin Ridley, a first time offender, 
bets a thousand dollars on a game and he gets a year suspension. And the thing is, like Dan Snyder, sexual accusations don't affect the pockets of the other 31 owners. The integrity of the game, as they call it, which is really the nice way of saying, hey, we are in the gambling betting scene now and we want to protect our money. Right. That's a different scenario where it's you're dealing with pockets getting lined. So it's a whole different beast. Uh, what and you know, I also got to remind people, hey, when all these allegations first came out, remember the NFL put out this big thing saying, you know, these are unfounded claims, blah, 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 blah. And then a couple of days later, they, they kept that same energy with everything except they pivoted on these specific allegations. So what are your thoughts on this potential memo? Do you think it holds any weight or is it just hearsay again? And, you know, do you see any repercussions coming to the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, how, how funny would it be if he actually like wrote this stuff down in a memo and said it was 2019 and then you get the memo and you read the back of it and it says purchased in 2022 or something, right? Like, you know, but no, I, I mean, like, look, I, I, I think this happens around the league. People, I, I don't, I, you know, the tanking thing, you know, losing to get better draft position. Um, you know, it, it's kind of ironic that we don't frown upon teams when they rest their starters to get, you know, during the last week of the season so they don't get hurt but you know we some of us who pay our harder money to go to games to see a guy like Aaron Rodgers and then we get thrown in you know a, a backup quarterback that we have to see you know the NFL doesn't care about that you know what I mean but they they care about you know the reverse impact of it because the way I look at it is Stephen Ross runs his it's a business he runs it his way like as fans we can all come with pitchforks and, and be pissed and trust me I I would be if this is proved to be true, I mean, Stephen Ross would lose my support because, you know, even though I wanted to a tongue of Loa more than anything in the world, I think that's a bad brand of football. The good news is within literally a few months, Mike McDaniels and the team they have now have kind of got rid of that kind of stigma around the team. But I, I think there's some validity to what Brian Flores is probably saying, right? Like, I, I don't think he's completely lying. I think he's embellishing it probably. Um, I do think that it's going to be interesting given Stephen Ross's age. Like maybe he just, you know, maybe the NFL doesn't take action, but maybe he just says at the end of the day, I'm an old man. I can laugh at all you from sitting on the mounds of money I have. Do I really need this aggravation in my life and get his buddy up and running with the organization? Um, you know, I, I could see that happening because, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. think he wants at his age to have his name drugged through the mud so much. So, I, maybe this is something that leads to a bigger thing with the dismissal of Stephen Ross or him stepping down as the owner um, from the NFL sanction standpoint. I mean, if they steal draft picks from us, man, they're probably going to be late, like fifth rounders, something like that. Um, and Stephen Ross will probably have to pay some type of fine, but with the, the check, the dude's been stroking for players this year. I don't think he really cares. Like, so it's just interesting. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm trying to put it in my past. Like, you know, that, that 2019, three years ago at this point, you know? So it's like, I, like, I hate to say it, but I don't really care what the dolphins were doing three years ago anymore. <laughs> like, you know, you got to move on. And, and now I'm too excited about the team that we have now. Um, but there's truth in there, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. How much of that fire is real? You know, I, I don't know how, you know, you know, if he's, you know, crying wolf here, Brian Flores, cause he didn't like how his tenure ended. It's probably a combination of all that though. You, you agree with me? Mm -hmm. I do. Um, you know, I just, I, I think, uh, 
you know, I just think it's, I said this earlier, you know, this is turning into like the ex-girlfriend that won't go away. You know, like, I just want to move on with my life, man. You know, like we've started a new regime. And now that I look back on it, uh, Neil, that Flores era was full of nothing but drama, whether it was not paying, not paying X when we were making him the focal point, whether it was the Watson stuff, whether it was the Tua Fitzpatrick stuff, whether it was the Gailey Flores stuff, you know, whether it was in year one with the Caldwell, um, you know, with the Caldwell leaving weird, but then also, um, you know, when we fired the offensive line coach, oddly, who was Caldwell's guy just for him to bring, it was just, it was just always drama. And I, I'm just, I, I, I'm ready to close the chapter on that book. I, I wish this, this whole thing would get settled tomorrow. So I don't have to hear it anymore because this is just turning into a situation where it just reminds me of the ex-girlfriend that won't go away right now. Right. Yeah. Like something you see on Jerry Springer, but you know, I, I think we both could agree this. No head coach that I can remember in NFL history has given the playbook on how not to handle a young quarterback more so than Brian Flores. I I, I don't I can't think of anyone else that has failed one young player more than Brian Flores failed to a tongue of Aloha. I really yeah. can't. From the initial time they started him, when the team was on a win streak. Like he should not have started that Rams game in my opinion. And even the amendments, Neil, the amendments feel like, okay, he sees all the positive stuff going on over here. Why, why if, if you had that proof, why the hell wasn't in the original complaint? Yeah. Well, you know why he's probably looking at his roster and sees that Mitch Trubisky is his quarterback and says, man, shit, we had, we're the worst. Play Watson twice a year now. Yeah. Them. We're going to look, I mean, they're the worst team in that division, despite having a good defense. Because they legitimately, if you think about that division, right, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Joe Burrow, and you have Mitch Trubisky, like, go home. Season, <laughs> season's over. Like, you're not winning. Yeah. It's just. I agree. I, I Yeah, but Brian Flores, like, I'm with you, man. Like, I'm, I'm done with that book. You know, I, I was supportive of him and the, all the stuff that's come out at the end of the, at, you know, at the end of the day. He's just, you know, he's just yesterday's news it was matt patricia with a bit of a better record i'm glad he's gone and i'm glad it all worked out how it did because i know for sure if brian flores was here we wouldn't be talking about tyree kill in a miami dolphins uniform or potentially taron armstead or taron armstead and let's talk about these possibilities final topic here for tonight debo samuel the news is ramping up again yeah, you know, nothing's really changed except, you know, a few little minor things. You know, I've heard still the same thing. He wants out. He wants Miami. The new thing I've heard is teams are actually, uh, you know, reluctant to pony up the assets for him because there's a belief in NFL circles that, you know, he doesn't want to be tagged. He'll hold out and he's going to end up in Miami anyways. So why pony up a bunch of assets for a guy who's going to end up in Miami in the long run. So, um, you know, I, I've heard this is obviously real. I mean, um, we've, we've heard been that talking before. about it for a month now, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, we've been talking about it for a month. Yeah. And now, you know, you look at Raekwon, you know, I, I talked to Richmond Webb about this. I said, Richmond, you know, you were in the league, you hung out with players. What's a wide receiver doing with a three tech or a zero tech? You know what I mean? Like I said, this makes no sense because guess what? Here's my thing. They're not working in the same position group, so they're not training together. Uh, 
Right. And they're not from the same alma mater. So, right. so what are we talking about here? And we've never seen them be friends on Instagram before that. And the timing is just so, you know, I, I you know, we've both been told he wants out. We've both been told he's let it known where he wants to go. It's my, he wants to be a dolphin. Yep. I think it's a matter of he wants to be a dolphin and they want him, but the dolphins aren't going to get into a bidding war with themselves when they know they can just get him at their cost next off season. So unless he comes at a reasonable price, and, you know, I've said this to other people, too. Food for thought, Neil. For as strategic as Mike McDaniel and this regime has been, especially with the running game this offseason, they've really played chestnut checkers. It does make you raise an eyebrow that they haven't addressed the third and one or the red zone guy. And, you know, 102, 125, and then we pick a 224, 247, you know, I don't think they're really going to give that role to a guy at 224 or 247. And at 102, 125, I think punter, Matariza, center for them, and linebacker for all of us trumps the need of a running back. Um, you know, so that's why I've kind of looked at it. It's like they've – because, you know, people try to say, well, there's only so much ball that can go around. But, yeah, okay. But guess what? Debo only needs six, seven, eight targets because he's going to get – he's going to get – eight carries. So he's still going to get the ball 14, 16 times a game. So, and he's only got a $4.9 million cap hit this year. So uh, your overall thoughts on Debo stuff, anything uh, you've heard you want to talk about new, because it really ramped up today when he deleted, uh, he basically scrubbed his Instagram of all 49ers pictures. He unfollowed them. Uh, your your thoughts on everything. And I've also heard a new thing I did hear today that there is a legitimate disconnect between Kyle Shanahan and Debo Samuel. Yeah, I, I would say this. I think the 49ers are one of those teams that are on, on the verge of disaster. Um, they wanted to shop Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason to get draft picks. They oversold their hand, and they're stuck with an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, and Trey Lance is sitting in the waiting in the wings and they played paid the equivalent of three first round picks to get Trey Lance. And, you know, I, I think they have a mess there. Um, you know, obviously Debo Samuel wants out of San Francisco. His preferred destination is Miami. Um, you and I are not guessing here. We, we know that um, I, I, you know, we've said, we talked about this right after the Tyreek Hill uh, trade went down and it's, it was actually, Percolated out there before that trade even went down. So when the Dolphins made the trade for Tyreek Hill, what blew me away was I was really expecting us to pull the trigger on the Debo Samuel move um, because he wants to be in Miami, right? Like I think he spent a lot of his offseason there. He's at dinners with Raekwon Davis. We, we know all those things going on. It's interesting, right? Like they, they they're going to have to give up a first round pick next year in order to get them. So I, I think you're right on that. They're not going to trade the draft capital. So at the end of the day, I just don't think Debo Samuel is going to be a Miami dolphin in 2022. But I do think after this season, it gets really interesting. And I, I think depending on the, how the season goes for the 49ers, you know, which could be, you know, just an utter disaster. I, I don't, you know, they still have Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, George Kittle. They have talented players. Um, we're going to see how much Mike McDaniel's meant to that offense too. I think, I think that's going to hurt him a little bit, but yeah, Debo Samuel, I mean, he, he wants it. He's pushing for it. Um, does it happen? I'm going to say likely not, 
this year. And I think what I think if you know we, we, Mike Kosicki's under the franchise tag, right? So in the off season, could they use let Kosicki walk, use what they were going to pay him, find some more money there, and bring the probably most ridiculous wide receiver trio in Waddle Hill and Debo Samuel that I could ever think of maybe like I honestly don't know if I could think of a better trio in NFL history than that yeah I mean I mean that would be absolutely ridiculous in the speed I mean you know how I feel about our offense I think there's going to be an adaption period and a learning curve for defenses and defensive coordinators with the speed and the scheme we're going to be throwing at them I don't think this is going to be I think we're going to be able to put points up early and often and then when teams start catching on that's when we start throwing wrinkles and such so i mean i think there's a fit for debo i think people are saying there's not enough ball to go around aren't looking at the big picture and i also think like i said you know it, to you before we, we we started recording here it sets you up in the sense of debo's only 24 tyreek's 28 all right in 2026 his cap it goes up to 50.1 so that tells us 2022 2023, 2024, and 2025 are a window to win. Well, when that those four years are done and you move off of Tyreek, Debo's going to be 28. Waddle's going to be around, like, what, 27, 26. So they're going to be entering their prime, and they'll be your number one and number two guys moving forward after you get the Tyreek money off the, you know, you can lose Tyreek, and these guys are still going to be entering their prime. And I think Waddle's going to be a better receiver than Tyreek in the long run. So you see all that, and it's like it makes sense, man. It's It's... The long, you know, once once you get out of that Tyreek window, you can still keep a window open with Debo and Waddle being your one and two guys. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's so funny, man. Those all the people that are going to be bashing two off season are the same people that are going to be taking Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in the second round of their fantasy football drafts. Yeah. You know, it's like it's just so funny because you, you're right, man. Like I, honestly, like it's overkill to add Debo Samuel, but what makes it not is his versatility where you can line them up in the backfield. You can line them up in the slot. You can line them up in the outside. He can hurt you so many and ways. Get them under contract now before all these big money influxes and streams come over the next couple of years with new con with new uh, TV deals and such. Yeah, and, and, and that's something they, they'd probably want to do. It's yeah. interesting, though, because I think the thing that we can say, and I'm not bringing any negativity, but, you know, because – Again, I, I think Tua makes the biggest jump in NFL this year. That that's my prediction. Of any player in the football league this year, I agree. I think Tua is going to make the biggest He's jump. He's going to be top twelve quarterbacks here in the NFL. And, and I think those who think that Tyree Kill is going to have a drop off are wrong. I think he's going to get his production just a different type of way. I still think he's going to put up like 11, 1,200 yards. That's yeah, I, I, I think because I also don't think this. While he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball, he's also never lined up with the caliber of receivers around yeah, him, yeah. like a Jalen Waddle, like a Cedric. He's only lined up with speed around him. He's never lined up that with speed that has great release packages at the line of scrimmage, great dependable hands, and that can actually make plays. You know what I mean? McCall Hardman to Marcus Robinson were just speed guys. Sammy Watkins was a reliable one, but he had, didn't have the speed the other guys had. He's never, he's never messed with this blend. You know what I mean? I wouldn't take one player in their skill group on my team right now besides Travis Kelsey. Like, I agree. Straight up. like I wouldn't take a I running agree. back off their team. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take a receiver off their team. I'd Edwards Hilaire. I never liked and I think Patrick Mahomes is absolutely brilliant, and I'm not yeah. taking anything away from him. 
But man, when I used to watch what Tyreek Hill could do with the football, I always said, I can't wait for Jalen Waddle to be that guy. Yeah. Now, now I have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yeah. So like I am so excited about Let's that go, combination. Man, I like it's it's gonna be fun because we were talking before we got on here. If Tua does what we just said, that leap, and then we come into the 2023 draft with two ones, a two, and two threes, what we can do yeah. with this roster legitimately with blending in impact rookies with the freaking superstars that we added this year. I mean, man, that is like we're watching the plan and like, you know, I, they I'm, are building a long term. They're, they're building a team with long term stability in through building. That's what they're. you can see. They spend the money this year. So they set themselves up where they don't have a ton of money next year to spend, but they're just going to, they got a ton of picks so they can influx through the draft anyways. Well, like, and look, I, I, owe, I owe Chris Greer an apology because I'm watching the movie play out now. Yeah. And we have a different cast now with McDaniel. McDaniels over um over Flores, but like this is like turning off uh old school when Mitch walks in and catches his wife on the gangbang, right? Like the first year, like we got the young quarterback we wanted. We had a horrendous offensive line, no skill position. Fast forward to this year. The quarterback was improving. Now we got him two players on his offensive line that are better than anyone else in Taron Armstead and Connor Williams. So the offensive line is much improved. We went out there and got him the best weapon in the NFL for my money, right? Like we didn't half ask this. Chris Greer executed a plan brilliantly. And I'm not saying that he knew that Tyreek Hill is going to be available and this is what they did. But what they've done is they got the quarterback. They built the line and it still needs work. It's not perfect. They kept that defense intact. And then they went out and got Tyreek freaking Hill, right? Like that plan that I'm seeing plan out now is because now we expect progress and I expect them to win a playoff game this year. That's my expectation. Mm -hmm. And then next year, if the plan continues on the course that it should go, that's the type of thing that you do to take a very good football team and make you a dangerous playoff team with the ability to win. Like just think about what a Dolphins game is going to be like live in Miami this year with Tyreek Hill running. I mean, like, I can't freaking wait, man. I like, I, I, I am so excited. And, you know, I'm not always the most positive person. And trust me, after the first week of free agency, reason you had to talk me off the ledge a couple days. Like, let, let's be honest about it. Mm -hmm. But, like, what they've done this offseason gives me freaking hope. Hope that I haven't felt in a long time. Love it, and I'll tell you this, man. Like now, you know why I got so mad at all these people that were comparing him to Joe Philbin and Cam Cameron and Adam Gase. Now you know why I was like McDaniel going to be different. Stop doing those lazy. Not you, but you now you know why I was getting uptight with those lazy takes and comparisons because this has been. He is, dude. This guy. He he didn't come in with ego and say, oh, I want to tear down the defense and bring in my guys and build it in their vision. He said, no, nah, it's working. Keep it intact. Let me spend all this and revamp the offense. This man in one offseason has basically rostered arguably the best team we've seen since the a Marino era team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is the best offense team we've had 
And I love the Dolphins' defenses when we had Feeler at quarterback, but you know that offense, it was Chris Chambers, Randy Mike McMichael, and a bunch of guys. Then we got Ricky, and Ricky was amazing for two seasons, but you know that was very short-lived. I mean, we're talking – I mean, I actually think our offense is going to be better than our defense this year. Um, and I'm on record to saying this. I think the Dolphins win the AFC East next year. So, you know, we'll we'll see. And, and I think I, I think we go five and one in our division. I think we sweep the Jets, sweep the Patriots, and we split with the Bills. I mean, I, receipts can come. Keep them. Uh, you know, I don't care. That's, well, that's what I think. You know what? Listen, can I say this, Neil? It didn't look. It looked like we were losing to Buffalo, and I've said this. I'm on record going back to you know 2020 when everyone was on good standing with Flores. And I wasn't as plugged in and I wasn't hearing the things when I started getting plugged in that I started hearing, you know, McDermott had Flores' number. Like that's what it, and, and they had our, they, we, the thing is we always got out coached. Even when we shut every down time. Josh Allen. Every time. Even when we shut down Josh Allen, they, their defense, their, you know, they out coached our offense. You know what? You know? A, lot of, a lot of the time we never were able to establish the running game. Remember in 2016, we needed to beat the Bills to be in the playoffs, and that guy Andrew yeah. Franks kicked that like 61 yarder that I thought had no chance. If you remember, man, Jay Ajayi was awesome in that game, and like we, we haven't like been able to do that forever. I mean, the Bills. You're right, McDermott has straight up owned Brian Flores when it came to straight up the coaching battle at every game. I mean, our offense looked lost, looked pathetic. Um, you know. I I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's, it's. Well, you huge. remember in 2020 when we met him in the first game, and we were playing uh, Baker in more of a mic role, and they just ate off Baker being the mic. Like, yep, you know they caught him. You know, there's one play where he's straight up. I, I forget who the running back coming out of the backfield was, but you can see him. You know, he's telling Van Noy to pick him up, and Van Noy literally looks at him and nods. Van Noy goes to pick him up out of the backfield. Jerome Baker follows him to pick him up, bro. Then Josh Allen just tucks the ball and runs 18 yards up the middle. Like, you know, even when even when we like it didn't matter whether we shut Josh Allen down or he had a game against us, we just always got out coached. It, it was just Every that was time. one thing you could always point to against Buffalo. McDermott and his staff always just did a better job than our staff. Yep, no, you're you're 100 right, and, and I think that changes. And I said that even when I was a fan of Brian Flores, so well, that's not me saying that. That's not revisionist history from my point of view. Well, there's absolutely no complexity to our offense, right? Like, no, it was basic. Even when uh, Gailey was there, it was just an ISO offense. That's all it was. Like, I remember texting you vividly on a Sunday, telling you, "Here's the ne- here's the next two plays." Do you know my boy Dante Colinelli? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Dante is a scout and an evaluator, right? But he's not an offensive guru by any stretch, right? You know what he said to me? He said for a, he's like when I watch tape, I watch just to strictly evaluate and scout players. I should not be able to predict your offense. If I am just there as a straight player and scout about like just a player and a player evaluator and scout I'm not there to evaluate the whole offense and to scout your whole offense. I'm just there for specific players because what he would do on dolphinstalk.com, like I do on Finside the NFL, he does a weekly breakdown of all of Tua's dropbacks. And what he said to me was, well, this is under Gailey. When I start being able to predict your offense and I'm just a pure player evaluator, that's a major issue because 
what does that tell you that brilliant defensive minds in the NFL can do? Yeah, no, you're you're 100. And, and you know, so yeah. we've got a player evaluator slash scout telling you that that tells you all you need to know. And that was Gailey. We let's be honest with ourselves, bro. We got even simpler and worse at times under Godsey. I mean, they didn't no. know how to use Waddle for the first nine weeks of the season. It was a joke. Oh, George Gods. I mean, it was it, it was awful. I mean, like that offense that we saw last year was it, it reminded me of when we needed a win. Feeler had got hurt. That and- was the Philbin Cam Cameron comparison, if people want to make it to the offense last year. Not what yo, I'm gonna tell you this right now. You can already tell the vision, okay? Listen, it's Shanahan's offense. We all know how innovative it is. But the thing is, he is now using it like a mad scientist. I mean, you saw Kyle Shanahan talk about it at the GM meetings. He's never had there has never been this level of speed in the Shanahan offense before ever. From the back to the front. Even our offensive left tackle can can run a freaking 4740. Okay. There's never been this athleticism and speed in a Shanahan offense from front to back. All right. That's number one. His whole thing is he sees that the Shanahan offense, without all of that, can get you division titles and championship game and Super Bowl appearances. Now in the AFC, he's seeing what was the trend. That was getting teams consistently to the Super Bowl. Well, who's the team that's been consistently going to the Super Bowl the last couple of years? The Kansas City Chiefs. Why? The speed they had and we're fielding at the receiver position. Now we're fielding the, we're fielding two four two guys in Waddle and Tyreek. That let's be honest, Tyreek is an elite route runner with an elite release package off the line of scrimmage. Guess what? Jalen Waddle is a damn near elite. Already, 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 and he's great at his uh, release off the line of scrimmage. Bowden's been clocked in the four threes that perform. All right, you got Cedric Wilson. He's a four five guy, but if you look at the tape, he moves like he's four four. Then you got four four three, low four three Moser out of the backfield. Then you got four five moves like four four Chase Edmonds out of the backfield. Then you got four five up the seam, big target Gisecki. There is just so much to throw. I, I see what the blend is. The blend is the Shanahan vision with the speed that's worked in recent years in the AFC that people haven't been able to compete with. He's blended that because now he's allowed. There's no Shanahan saying, no, I want things done this way, Mike. Now it's no, this is my Shanahan offense in my vision. And what you see right now, this is why it is going to be. It's not gimmicky like the Wildcat, but because of what I've just explained, there is going to be a serious learning curve for opposing defenses and defensive coordinators. This is the shit that keeps, pardon my language, that keeps coordinators up at night. That we are fielding the this is the field of nightmares. That's that's what we that's what you should call this this offense, the field of nightmares right now. Well, and what's clear to me is how much they like Chase Edmonds because if you think about it. When free agency started, the first thing they did was keep Agba. The first player they added to this roster that wasn't a Dolphin last year was Chase Edmonds, and it was quick, right? It was really quick. They really, really like him. I'll do you one better to prove your point. You know what proves your point even further, Neil? Mike McDaniel faced him twice a year. Right. That should tell you exactly what he thinks of him as a player, bro. Right. So, like, 
And, and then he got. And if Mozart stays healthy, Neil, oh my god. Well, and, and that's where you're, you're thinking about this, right? Because I'm saying, what is the weakness on this team uh, on the offense? Let me go on the offense. Center, right tackle, and we currently don't have a a a, a third down finish off the drive in the, inside the five or get that third and one back. Okay, but I, and I agree, but just think about this. There was teams that wanted to trade for Michael Dieter, right? Yep, yep, yep. And he was serviceable at worst, right? Yeah, so, but I think it was more of a guard play, Neil, because I, I think he's – you've heard me. I think kicking him back to guard as a swing guard is actually the proper move. I mean, you look at in 2020 when – who was it? Was it Solomon Kinley went down and Dieter came in? And remember, he, just, he had that really bad first play, and then after that, he was just moving men. Right. Well, like, so – so he's he stands out and then right tackle, but like yeah, you know, I, I just think between Eichenberg and Austin Jackson, they like, make it work. They're gonna have a serviceable player. Yeah, and, and I think it's gonna be Austin Jackson. I and, I, and I and I actually think he's gonna be a pleasant surprise. So when you really right. think about it, our tight end group I is, think he's gonna be a bigger surprise than two and Neil. Sorry to cut you off. Oh yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I think our tight end group is is loaded, right? Loaded. Like Yep. I mean, like, I like Stephen Carter or Shaheen. One of them is probably going to get cut because I'm yeah, also- bro. Hunter Long, a developing under the staff, Neil. Come on, right, I think Hunter Long is going to be another guy that's so improved. So I love the tight ends, the receivers. It blows me away. I, I, I literally look at our wide receiver group and say that I think we have the best receiver group in football. And like I've heard, like the knock when we signed Cedric Wilson was, oh, dude, he was only good in Dallas because he was the third option, right? Because Gallup was out, obviously, when he was eating. But I would tell you this right now: I take Ty Hill and Jalen Waddle. All day long over Amari Cooper and CD Lamb. All day long. It's not even close to me. So think of how much field they're going to open up for Cedric that he never that see because CD's a he's not a open up the field, take the top off of you know, either is Amari really, right? Like Amari can, but they're not really known for that. You know what I mean? Like the thing is the speed we feel with Cedric is gonna open up and manufacture plus. You know this. The wider, you know, our, you know, our coaching staff is going to manufacture space just in general. But then you add the speed manufacturing space. Cedric could see a lot of green in front of him, my friend. Oh, I, absolutely, man, one hundred percent. I mean, you know, I, like I love the quarterback room now because I think two is going to take that step, and I love That's having well. a guy like Teddy Bridgewater as is a backup. I yep. love. I mean, what a pro. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's the best backup and quarterback quarterback in football right now, but he's definitely up there, right? So. You look at everything, and then God, man, Preston Williams with without any expectations, maybe that pans out, right? So I, I love what yep. we've done on offense, on defense, man. Like, like, like I know, like every year we anticipate a step back, but could they take a step forward? Like, because Jalen Phillips was just figuring it out last year, got eight and a half sacks, right? Or how, how many sacks did he end up with? Was eight and a half? Yeah, eight and a half. Yeah. I mean, could he get twelve? Could he get 14 this year? Og was back. He's yeah, had remember, Neil, sorry, he was on limited snap counts at points too, oh, right? He wasn't seeing a ton of snaps. I mean, man, honestly, one of the things I put down in my end season notes was as good as Flores called this defense this year, I think he did a horrible job at utilizing Jalen Phillips to his strengths. That's what I wrote down. I, I and I and I believe that. So and Neil, what if Wilkins takes another step forward? Right. And and then you got Van Ginkle in a contract year. You got, you know, Agba fat and happy. You got Raekwon Davis, hopefully healthy for the year. Zach Seiler with competition. I even like signing big John Jenkins back. back. Yep. And Adam Butler's still around. Yeah. And, and we and we kept Adam Butler. Another year two of Javon Holland. Year, you know, another year for Brandon Jones. Roe looks like he's, he's sticking around for at least now. So. Right, right. So, like, you look at that with the corners like X and Byron and Needle. Notice how back. we didn't mention Noah, though. I just got to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have no expectations, but 
please blow me away, Noah. And then, you know, Jerome Baker, if used correctly, is a good football player. we got to use him correctly, though. You can't square yeah. pe- uh, square peg round hole him. And then, like, look, I, I like – I think that that's obviously the biggest weakness on our team, you know, is linebacker. But do you I think I do you get the inkling they're going to add one with one hundred two, Neil? Yeah, yeah. I, I like and, and there's three guys that I love. Channon Tindall from Georgia is the yeah, guy who's he's the number one choice that I want with that pick. I I think he's actually a day one starter if we get him there. Yeah, and they probably won't put him over a veteran like Roberts right away, but they'll get him out. They'll there. use him in. They'll massage him in there by mid season. His snap count will go up. Yeah, I agree. I love Tindall. Yeah. Yeah, Troy Anderson, uh, Montana Love State. Yeah, um, I, I think his best football is ahead of him. I, I, I just think he's a really good player. I would have Leo Chanel, but I, I, I really think he's probably going to go in round. I love two. him so much. Doesn't he remind you of Zach? Doesn't yeah. he? Don't you get a little Zach vibe from him, bro? And I love Zach Thomas. The fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame. And he wears four or five. It's the opposite of Zach. And like he's just a torpedo, bro. But the other guy I love too, man. And I don't know if he'll be there. I love Chad Muma, dude. And I think Chad Muma in our defense would be so such a difference maker, man. Like I oh, think yeah. the four he guys we just talked three. about, I think he all those LB3. guys. Uh, yeah, he's he's a lot, he's LB three for me. LB three is Muma. LB four is Leo. Um, and then LB five for me is actually Brandon Smith because I love his traits. Yeah, that was the and guy I was L- going to mention. And, yeah, and then LB six for me is Troy Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Brandon Smith from Penn State. I I know we don't see the production, but he's such a good scheme fit for us. The talent is there, and I just think there's a lot to get there. Uh, I think linebacker is the high priority with pick 102, but I say yeah. that saying that like like Cam Jurgens from Nebraska could or be like there. Alec Lindstrom. Yeah, and I think if a good center is there that falls, because I really like – like center. Donovan West? Donovan West, this guy, the Luke Fortner dude from Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, there's there are some really good centers that could fall there. And then I know you and I are fanboying for the punter, right? But uh, Rizzo, yeah, yeah. I mean, one twenty five. Let's go. I mean, like I, I like I'm not kidding. I I don't know if I've ever seen a ball come off someone's leg like that, man. So like it, you know, I, I, look, we're gonna add two players. I really think in this draft that are rosterable guys, probably. But we got to remember that we legitimately added Tyree Kill. Like that's, you know, you can tell me. I, I could take any player in this draft. You could give me the number one overall pick, and I would take Tyree Kill over Aiden Hutchinson, over Evan Neal, over any player in this draft. It's not even. It's not even honestly a close debate. And I, you know, I, you know, who I wanted at pick twenty nine, right? I made it really, really well known. Jamison Williams. I wanted yeah. us to take a flyer on a guy that's coming off an injury. We got a guy that, that Jameson Williams probably will never become who's fully healthy, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, the draft's still going to be and entering of, his prime. But, like, God, man, the trades just don't stop. Like, just the, the other day, the Saints and the Eagles, like, moving, like, like little, uh, you know, position movements on the draft picks, trading next year's pick to get back in this year. Man. Like, I, I still think there's a lot of stuff that's going to go down because, you know, like, we saw Bobby Wagner siding with the Rams, and, and I, I had known that that was coming for a while. I know that the Ravens were interested but knew that their offer was not up to snuff compared to the Rams because they were willing to go five years. But when you look at the free agent board, right, there's some interesting names still out there, right? We all know Honey Badger's out there. Stefan Gilmore hasn't signed anywhere yet, right? Mm-hmm. Jadavian Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Dwayne Brown, Calais Campbell, Odell Beckham, yep. Jerry Hughes. Gronk hasn't came out of at hiding yet, right? Like, I don't think he's officially said anything. You know, I don't, the guy, think, we're, I don't think we're making any major. I don't even think we're going to get J.C. Treader. 
You know, you know who I think we're, you know, a guy that I think we could sign on a low prove it deal, Dante Hightower, hmm. because I think he fits the scheme. Yep. He's been very injured prone, but like I, I wanted him like two or three years ago, right? But I mean, there's still some really good talent out there, man, that like, I, like, it's they might be waiting for the draft to play out, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's what's going to happen to a lot of them. But, you know, did Melvin Gordon sign anywhere? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, whew, that's that's like when you talk about a guy who can get you a yard or two, huh? I, I, it's awesome, man. Like it, it, it's fun. I, I think there'll be a couple more big moves. I think there's going to be some trades. I like this DK Metcalf thing won't go away, right? No, the, uh, I think it came out today that they're not. They they have no they uh, have no interest in trading them. Yeah, they shouldn't. I mean, I like there ain't nobody that I, I would think with AJ Brown. But it is it is kind of funny, and we could close with this. But like the Jets, man, they never get. I love it. They never get the guy they want. Have you noticed that? Like they're always rumored to have severe interest in some. Because I get like nervous. I'm like, damn, dude, I don't want the Jets to get this player, and you know. But like the guy they got that was the big name free agent was C.J. Mosley, and he's been injured and never lived up to the hype. Yeah, and they threw all that money at uh, what's his face last year? The Titans receiver. No, the Titans receiver. Um. Oh, uh, uh, dude, uh, uh, Corey Davis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he never, like, really paid. You know, it's funny because they went out and their move was to go get Braxton Berrios. And we're like, okay, cool. We'll we'll get Tyreek Hill when you want him. You know, like, it's funny, man. I Like, it's it's ironic, man. But no, man, I'm excited. Uh, Check the pulse. We got, what, 19 days or something? 20 days to the draft? Like, man. 27th, right? Is it 27th? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, man. So, you know, I, I'm still going to be watching. I'm going to be excited. But, hey, man, fins up. Uh, look forward to kind of getting through the uh, draft without having my, uh, you know, heart in my throat worrying of if we're going to make a good pick or not. And, dude, I look, whenever I get sad about not having a first-round pick, I literally check Tyreek like on roster. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Tyreek on okay. YouTube. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, as always, it was a pleasure, Neil. Guys, we'll be back here next week at the finish line. Until then, everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And as always, fins up all day, every day, people.